today, Jalen has read scripture. And I told him before we began tonight, I said, look, you've got some pipes. He's been to the Billy Sasser School of Vocal Chords. There are a lot of, I told him, I said, every guy in here would like to have a voice like you have. And so we're proud of him and appreciate his willingness to read scripture. I'm not sure Jalen realizes just how strong and what a great voice he has. Makes me think of some jazz singer or something. He's got all kind of talent. But we're proud of him and proud of, proud of all of our young folks. We're glad to see you here tonight. We're so thankful for your presence. We appreciate so much those of you that are visiting. I see that we've got Brother and Sister Leroy Lee with us tonight from Cordova. And that goes back a year or two, but good to see them tonight. We're glad that they're here to worship with us this evening. And we're glad that you're here. And we pray that our time spent together will be uplifting. I do want to make mention of the fact that we had 30 people, is that right, present at Olive Grove Terrace today. 30 people. Do you know how happy I was to see 30 people there? I told Brother Billy, I said, the bench was so deep, they didn't even have to call on me. So it was a great day. And I was, I was sitting in the back trying to keep a low profile, and uh, we were all ducking back there. It looks like we were able to make the great escape. Well, I'm glad for it. Always glad to have a day off when it comes to singing. I'll never forget what Isaiah said about a month or two ago. He said, listen, they don't pay you to lead singing. <clears throat> so, point well taken. And I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that Isaiah is honest and forthright. We're going to be looking today at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I was thinking about this lesson this past week. It occurred to me that this kind of lesson might very well save your faith. It might be the case that it saves your home. It might save you from doing something that you would never, ever think about doing. Paul in Romans chapter 5 talks about Facing times of tribulation, that's the word that he uses. And all of us, whether we like it or not, we're going to face times of trial or tribulation. The question is, how are we going to react in the face of tribulation? I want to begin tonight by first talking about the reality of tribulation. I want to point out that in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul begins this section of Scripture by talking about the fact that those of us who belong to the body of Christ, that we have been justified by faith. As a result of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, he said, Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Sometimes people have the misunderstanding that once they become a child of God, all of their trials and troubles and tribulations and difficulties 
will somehow evaporate. And that's not the case. I know that we live in a day and time in which there is a health and wealth gospel that is preached by many far and wide. But that kind of gospel does not harmonize with the gospel that I read. Because I understand that just because we're children of God doesn't mean that that's going to some way, in some way preclude us from difficulties and trials. And so in light of that, listen to what Paul said beginning in verse 3. In light of all these great spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Think with me for a moment or two about the reality of tribulation. The word tribulation, according to Thayer, carries with it the idea of pressure, oppressing together, distress, affliction. Over in chapter 8, Paul talks about how we as creation groan and travail in birth pangs until now. The human family has been subjected to a siege of trials and difficulties because that's life. To borrow the words of Job in Job chapter 14, verse 1, a passage that all of us know by heart. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so when you think about this word tribulation, there are probably a lot of terms that come to your mind, a lot of synonyms. I think about how sometimes people talk about it, the fact that they're facing difficulties and trials and they feel hemmed in or pressured. There are some who talk about being between a rock and a hard place or caught in a vice. Well, that's the idea that's being presented to us by Paul in Romans chapter 5. What we need to understand, there are many forms of tribulation. There are a lot of different ways we can face trial or tribulation or trouble in life. I would begin by talking about persecution. Because in the first century, persecution was very real. Those who belonged to the body of Christ, they understood what it meant to suffer for their faith. Jesus talked about, in a very transparent way, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And there have been many individuals down through time that have suffered for their faith. People like Joseph, Elijah. In the New Testament, Paul himself. John, in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us, in writing to the saints toward the latter part of the first century, he identified himself as a brother and companion in tribulation. So John experienced trial, trouble, tribulation firsthand. These guys experienced what they wrote about. If you had had the opportunity to interview the Apostle Paul, if you could have sat down with Peter, James, and John, they could have talked to you 
about what it was like to suffer persecution in the first century. In James chapter 5, James said, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering. You go back and you look to the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophets that suffered. They did not endear themselves to the public per se. They were despised by their own people. A lot of some, well, a lot of the great prophets, Jeremiah, cast into prison, cast into a cistern, Ezekiel, taken into Babylonian captivity at a very young age. Some would speculate at about the age of 17. Elijah, persecuted by Jezebel. The list goes on and on. And then tribulation or trial comes in the form of sickness. In Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul talks about a brother in Christ who was a companion in his labors, a fellow soldier, a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And he said, this man was sick nigh unto death. There have been some that have been at the brink of death. It may be the case that you have been so sick that you were at, as we say, death's doorstep. Sickness is not uncommon. There are hospitals filled up in this, in this area by people who are suffering sickness, disease, some form of illness. It's a daily occurrence on planet Earth. And then there are those who suffer trial or tribulation through economic reversals. Sometimes we talk about Job and the things that he experienced, but one thing you need to understand, Job was a rich man. And yet Job suffered the loss of a lot of livestock. That livestock would translate into what we would call currency, wouldn't it? There was an economic reversal. You think about the difficult times economically that the people in the first century had, particularly when John wrote in the latter part of the Revelation. Some, no doubt, denied access because of their faith in God, denied access to the basics of life. You recall Joseph, I mentioned him a moment ago. Joseph was the second man in Egypt. There were seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, weren't there? So, history speaks of any number of economic reversals. We talk about the Great Depression that occurred almost 100 years ago. Many of those people, because they lost everything, ended their physical lives. Because for them, that was everything. And then there is death. The fact that we live in a world that faces death on a daily basis. And death can create a void in our lives. We experience loss. And that can create trial. There's a void there, a natural void. Sometimes folks don't know how to handle that loss. And so they are in the throes of trial or tribulation.
There's a second thing I want you to consider with me as we think about as we think about this lesson. It has to do with being resilient in tribulation. What's your view of trial or tribulation? How do you view the difficulties of life? Listen again to what Paul said beginning in verse 3. And not only that, some, tra some translations read rejoicing in tribulations or glorying in tribulations. Now James in James chapter 1 would make a similar statement. He said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold or various trials. There are two possibilities when it comes to trial or tribulation. There are two ways that we can react. On the one hand, we can give up or give in. And there have been a lot of folks down through the years because they face some form of adversity, some difficulty or trial. They've just given up. And that's a sad thing. And sometimes people give up because they don't understand that this is a part of life. And there are occasions when people give up because they lack the faith to get them through difficult times. A moment ago I talked about Elijah. Elijah had a great victory on Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal were put to death. There was no doubt about the one true living God. In chapter 19 of 1 Kings, the Bible says that Jezebel, the evil wife of King Ahab, sent word to Elijah and basically said to him, Look, you're getting ready to die. And so Elijah, in a state of desperation, was ready to die, wasn't he? As a matter of fact, he asked God to take his life. Even those who sometimes we would say are spiritual giants or were spiritual giants, sometimes they too faced discouragement. There are people today that we would view as spiritual giants and they get discouraged because it's a part of life. Sometimes we get down. But Elijah was... He was on the brink of giving up. And so God had to reassure him. But he still had 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. But you can give up or you can give in or you can give out. There is a second option. I think the second option is more favorable. And that is you go on. You don't give in. You don't give up but rather you go on. There are times in life when it seems as if life has dealt us a cruel blow. And I think about that old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, that sat on a wall. And sometimes our lives are shattered. It's difficult to somehow put all the pieces back together. But what we have to do is somehow muster the courage, the fortitude to go on. 
That's what Elijah had to do. Elijah had to muster, or as we would say, man up and go on. Now, it's not easy. And it may not be something that occurs overnight, but it can be done. I want to give you a couple of examples. We talk about our view of tribulation. But I want you to think about how we can be victorious over tribulation. And there are two, there are two things I want to share with you. Two examples. First, I want to encourage us to look back to the saints. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer there said, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses? What the writer was saying is, you look back, reflect back on those great heroes of faith recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. And he's saying, if you want to draw strength from their lives, then... That's a great source of encouragement. So he said, Seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin that so easily besets us. And then he said, Run with patience or perseverance the race that is set before you. Now I want you to look again at Romans chapter 5, verse 3, and we'll come back to this thought in just a moment. Paul said, not only that, but we also glory or rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, patience, endurance. The Hebrew writer is saying, look, if you're going to make it, rather than give up or give in or give out, if you're going to go on, what you need to do, first and foremost, you need to look back and think about all these great men and women of God that persevered in times of trial. Read the story of Joseph. If you think life has dealt you a cruel hand and you've been, you've been facing difficult days or even years, go back and read his life. For some 22 years, he was separated from his family and friends. Difficult times? Absolutely. Go back and read about Elijah. In James chapter 5, again, James said, My brethren, take the prophets as an example of suffering. And then he links to suffering perseverance. How do you think Joseph made it? Perseverance. How did Elijah make it? Perseverance. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah was viewed with disdain by his own people. As a matter of fact, here is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He's crying out to the people of God, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths wherein it is a good way. And he said, walk therein, you'll find rest of your souls. The text says, they refused. Jeremiah was despised by the people of his day. Amos. Amos was, was not somebody that the people liked, the religious people liked. Why? Because he told them the truth. Well, how did he, he, he get through it? Perseverance. So you can look back at some of the saints of old 
And then in the New Testament, look at the lives of the apostles, for example. Peter, blunder after blunder after blunder, mistake after mistake, to the point he denied the Lord three times. And yet, rather than give in or give up, what did he do? Repented, got back in the harness, and went forward. Look at the life, look at the life of Peter and John and James. When James was put to death in Acts chapter 12, as recorded by Luke, put to death with the sword by Herod. Don't you think that that created discouragement? Maybe even despair among some within the church? Did the other apostles give up and just walk away? No. If anything, they were more determined. They were more resilient. And then you, you talk about the apostle Paul. And all the things that Paul faced in his missionary journeys, the fact that folks would bail on him and not stand with him, and yet, what did he do? He just kept persevering, didn't he? He kept trucking on. And I think what the Scriptures are saying to us is, we've got to do the same. So we look back, first of all, to the saints. And then secondly, the Hebrew writer said we need to look back to the Savior. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen to him, endured the cross. In other words, he persevered, didn't he? Could Jesus have given up and walked away? Yes, he could have. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to God the Father, and in anguish he's praying to God and saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We talk about the human dimension of Jesus and the fact that he is faced with redeeming the human family and all of the, the things that would accompany that, including separation from his father. The Bible says in the book of Luke, talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and being in agony, do you not think that Jesus was in agony in the garden? The Hebrew writer said, He offered up prayers with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. So you look at Jesus and you see him struggling. The cross before him. Did he give up? Did he give in? No. Well, what did he do? He kept going all the way to Golgotha. And you can go with him to his betrayal by Judas. You can read of his trial, the fact that he stood before Herod, Pilate, the high priest, and then the crowd the fact that they were so intent on putting him to death, and yet Pilate, you remember Pilate, a guy who lacked courage but had the honesty to say of Jesus, I find no fault in him. 
Jesus was innocent as charged, but he was put to death. And so the writer said, we need to look to the saints and we need to look to the Savior. Because Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. There's a third thing I want to share with you. And this has to do with being refined by tribulation. And really, I guess if I were going to sum it up, I would just say it like this. Tribulation, trials, difficulties build character. Now, I'm not saying that we necessarily relish those difficult times. Have you ever been to the school of hard knocks? You ever been there? That's a tough school. And they don't give you a degree. They don't give you a class ring. You don't get a diploma to hang on the wall. But if you've been there, you know about it. And there have been a lot of folks that I've known that have been to the school of hard knocks. And they've been knocked around the block a time or two. And they've been kicked to the curb a time or two. And they can tell you firsthand about trials and tribulations. I would encourage all of our young folks to spend some time with our more mature members. Now see, I didn't say older members. I said mature. But they can tell you about hard times. And there's some folks here that can tell you about tough times. There's some things that you're going to face in life that you'll never read about or learn about in a book, I promise you. Sometimes we think we can learn everything by reading, and you can learn a lot by reading. And I would always encourage us, as one of the old professors that I had on one occasion said, read, read, and then, by the way, read. You just keep reading. But there are some things that you experience in life that there are no textbooks to tell you exactly how to handle things. Now, if you want the premier textbook, it would be the Bible. That is the premier textbook. And the Bible, the Old Testament, was written for our learning that we, as Paul said, might gain patience and comfort. Why? Because life is hard. It is tough to the core. And you know about that. Some of you have suffered immensely, and some of you are suffering now. So, tribulation, as Paul said, produces perseverance or patience. James said, Count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces what? Patience. Perseverance. I've said before, don't ever pray for patience because you don't know what's going to come. But there's a lot to be said for facing trials because it equips us with patience. And listen to what Paul said. Tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. And character hope. 
Think back to some of the difficult things that you've experienced in life. And then ask yourself, have you learned from those things? Have the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations that you faced, have they built within you some character? I think all of us would say yes. Tough times can breed character. Tough times build character. Two byproducts here. First is strength. When you go to the gym in the morning, what are you trying to do? When you get on a bicycle or you get on a treadmill or whatever, what are you trying to do? Build, build your cardio, aren't you? You're trying to build strength. When you lift weights, what are you trying to do? Build strength, build muscle. When we experience trials and tribulations, we grow by what? By resistance, don't we? What Paul is saying is that tribulation produces perseverance, which in turn produces what? Character. One of the byproducts of that is strength. Now, let me give you an example very quickly. You remember the Apostle Paul? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said there was given unto him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to do what? To buffet him. And he said he besought the Lord three times that he would remove that thorn in the flesh. And what did God say? He said exactly what Paul didn't want to hear, didn't he? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, what did Paul want? He wanted that thorn in the flesh to be removed, just like all of us would. But here's what Paul said. Strength is made perfect in weakness. We grow stronger when we face difficulties and trials and tribulations. Why? Because we learn to depend more heavily upon God. The second byproduct is stamina. Trials build perseverance. Perseverance or stamina is what we're after. When we run the Christian race, it's not, it's not a sprint. We're not running 110 meters or 220 meters. But rather, it's a marathon. So what you've got to do is realize, look, we're, we're in this thing, I'm in this thing for the long haul. So I'm looking way down the road, realizing that there are going to be some ups and downs, highs and lows, some tough times. It's part of life. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Paul's saying, look, tough times will come. But you've got to be steadfast. You've got to have this immovable position in life. It says you're not giving up. You're not going to give in, but you are going to go on. And then beyond this character is hope. I want to close by asking this question. Do you have hope for better days? Do you have 
within you the hope there are better times coming those better times may not necessarily be here on planet earth but as a child of God we live in hope of life eternal I can promise you one thing there's coming a day when we're on the other side and all these trials and tribulations and difficulties they're all behind us the only thing before us good times the Bible says that we live in hope of life eternal which God who cannot lie promised before the world began so if you're a child of God and you're facing tribulation take heart you're not alone And my encouragement to you don't give up go on if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian could I encourage you to come to Christ Believing Jesus to be the Son of God, recognizing that He is the great I Am. Would you be willing to repent of your sins, as Peter told those on Pentecost Day in Acts 2, verse 38? Would you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10? And then be baptized to wash away your sins, Acts 22, 16. If you'll do that, the promise is God will put you in the church, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. And if you're faithful till death the Stephanos, the victor's crown. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, and maybe you've given in, given up, could I encourage you to come home? We would be more than happy to pray with you and for you. And you can leave here tonight with a load off your back, and you can go home at peace with God. Won't you come as we stand and sing?